This episode of the Virtuous is brought to you by Caviar. Where's your next meal coming from? Try Caviar. Caviar delivers the best restaurants. You can order on the Caviar app or online. Just go to trycaviar.com. That's T-R-Y-C-A-V-I-A-R.com. Trycaviar.com. Get the food you crave delivered. There's pizza, Chinese, much more, Indian, sushi, barbecue, all from the local restaurants. If you order today, you pay no delivery fee on your first order. Plus, you can take $10 off your first order of $30 or more with code VERGECAST. That offer is valid until February 28th. So go to trycaviar.com. Hello, and welcome to the VergeCast. <laughs> the flagship podcast of The Verge, which is a multimedia experience Good intro. that is available to you anywhere the internet is available. Good intro. And a part, dare I say, the most important part of the Vox Media Podcast Network. That's a good intro, Paul. Good intro. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Hi, trying. everybody. I am Neelai Patel. I'm joined, as always, by my friend Paul Miller. Hello. <laughs> local <laughs> local morale booster, Paul Miller. <laughs> Dieter, Dieter is here. Hey, Dieter. Hi, everybody. We're trying. Uh, the joke that I'm laughing that you didn't hear before we hit record, uh, you'll never know it, but it was the funniest thing that ever happened uh, in the history of the Vergecast. Uh it was it was a real slow week. I'm just be honest with you. Yeah, very slow week in tech news. Uh, we have we have a good show. We we got to talk about the HomePod. Um, our friend Ben Popper, who used to be our business editor for like five and a half years. You know, I don't know if he's everybody knows this. He's our he's our sworn enemy. Right. He for, went former friend Ben. Popper. He went he went to go work for DJI <laughs> as is a communications person. Right. It's the the dark side. But he's going to come on the show with a new Mavic Air. Right. And we're going to talk to him for a while. That'd be fun. He's still our friend, but he's oh. just also our enemy. Oh, okay. The two okay. things aren't mutually exclusive. Okay, I'm sorry. You might call it a frenemy. Some <laughs> <laughs> would might. say. <laughs> now, that's different, though. This is more like an enemy that you'd greatly respect. Mm. Like in a different world, mm. we would be best friends. Mm. Right. But I have to kill you. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Batman and the Joker. Like, you know Batman and the Joker just want to sit down and hang. No. <laughs> No, there's like a lot of examples in fiction. But that's not the one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's talk about some stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know why this is the biggest news of the week, but it was actually just a really slow week. A lot of Apple news. Yep. So uh, Apple put up this like website previewing iOS uh, 11.3, which is not really. Their standard operating procedure for a, a PIP update to iOS, but there's enough new features in it and enough attention on the battery stuff that they decided to put up this preview website. And so the the big things that you should be aware of is it is going to have the bit that lets you you know actually set your preferred battery life settings. It has a bunch of new stuff in AR Kit that I actually think is super hard to convey how important it is, but it actually matters a lot. Um, it's going to be able to identify uh, vertical surfaces, and so you can put virtual objects on vertical surfaces. Uh, it's also going to be able to recognize uh, 2D images, which uh, I guess Google Lens is doing now, but they're going to build it into AR kits so that third-party developers can also use it, which you can kind of do. And um, round anyways, tables? Yes. 
Uh, so, and I think you're going to be able to get higher resolution virtual images in, in ARKit too. Yeah, it's uh, and then of course, you know. I would say Animoji are the most important thing, but no, truly the most important thing. It's not that health, you can get health records in the health app. It's that you can now talk to brands directly in iMessage if you want to. Business chat. <laughs> <laughs> Business chat. <laughs> no, the new Animoji look cool though. They're like lions. and The lion is amazing. Here's yeah. what I want to know. I'm just going to say that I tweeted this. I'm going to say it on our show. We at Vox Media use a video conferencing app called Zoom. If anybody who works at Zoom is listening to this, if you know somebody who works at Zoom, the only feature I want is for Zoom to support an emoji so that when I dial into a meeting, I am an adorable lion with a mullet. I don't. (laughs) That's it. Just do that. I mean. And we it's will a bad idea. Using we Zoom. used to live in this world. Google Hangouts had like you could put funny hats on, and people would yeah, do that all the time. Sure did. And so okay. Zoom gives me this feature. We will continue using Zoom. If they do not offer this feature, I will cancel our Zoom contract and sign up for the first video <laughs> I, conferencing I service think, that gives it to me. I think Animoji video chat is um, well. So in youth group growing up, <laughs> we oh learned about the progression of intimacy. Yeah. And that there's different – so, like, the first time you meet somebody, you don't stroke their te- their, their their cheek. I thought you said teeth. Did and you I was like, you sure teeth? don't. Sure that would do also that. be uh, a misordering of the progression of intimacy. Yeah. Um, so, meet somebody on Tinder. Yeah. Right? Uh-huh. You don't want to meet them in person yet. Yeah. You don't even really want to video chat with them yet. Yeah. You've texted. You've done a phone call. Yeah. What's next? An emoji. An emoji comes yeah. You can see them reacting to you, but neither of you have to show your real face. Yeah. Do you uh, think Apple doesn't want to just turn an emoji into like a, a OS level feature, like like the keyboard and any app can use it because they're afraid some other app is going to use an emoji in a context that like Apple doesn't like? Well, Dieter, you were tweeting about this the other day. Uh, the failure of an emoji to be anything other than a goofy thing that happens in messages for rich people, <laughs> sure, <laughs> but it's it is a creative tool, right? It's machinima. Yeah, that's fundamentally what it is. The fact that there's not an emoji in iMovie or Dieter's favorite app Clips. Yeah, Dieter, the only Clips user in the world. Like, it's <laughs> weird that it's so restricted. You know why that is? Why is that? Because Apple's bad at software. <laughs> The other day, I restarted my laptop, and the login screen was offset, I would say, 500 pixels on the bottom right, on the bottom and the right side. And you could click in that no man's zone and just use the computer. (laughs) I don't know if that has anything to do with, like, the the philosophy of where an emoji goes. Well, also, okay, here's, here's something to bolster my point. Yeah. This is a very large update. Yeah. It is common best practice in uh, software to do what – this is why all of your apps from Facebook, Google, everybody just have this continual update and a, and a boilerplate fixes bugs and adds features. Because it's common best practice in software to have a always working, continually improved piece of software that is always shippable. Apple seems to still have a, the you know, we got to work on this because then we're going to burn a CD and send it to everybody. Yeah. Which, yeah, which it's like I, the same the same philosophy where they have to they used to have to shut their store down before they opened sales. On no, things. but they no no they did that to generate hype. 
There's they don't have think? to do that. They, I, I, I know they didn't. Know. Maybe they don't have to anymore. But come on, like that was way a website administration. They yeah. They would take it down for like six hours. Yeah. Can we talk about the fact that they have changed the way that uh, apps on the web are displayed, and so it's not in a weird iTunes zone anymore? But nevertheless, you still can't just click install and have it squirted over to your phone if you're logged in. You what, still have what, to like. How does it work now? Well, you, you like it'll show you the app information on the web, but you you still gotta you know view in iTunes and do wait, it, or you gotta find it on your own on your phone. Hold on, anyway. we've brought up like fifty things. Yeah, let's yeah. take them one at a time. Okay. Okay. It, it is strange that Animoji, which I still think are the best feature of the new phone, right. are not, not they're, they're inaccessible in a way that prevents them from actually being the best feature of the phone. So, like, Animoji Karaoke is, like, was a phenomenon. We wrote an explainer on how to do it. I, wrote, I read that explainer, and I was like, this is too hard. I'm not going to do this because mm. it's real hard. You have to, like, record your own screen and then export it. And eat. There's not just a app that can do it for you. Apple didn't make that app. So that's weird. And I'm saying that's because Apple's bad at software. No. Hold on. I, <laughs> I'm with you on that. I would say that the the not because your login window is offset, but because they they're they are still struggling to modularize the iOS and macOS experiences. Yeah. Right. So that they need to wait until a dot update to iOS to ship four new an emojis mm. is bonkers. It's right. insane. Every, every other app, like Instagram's like, what do you want? Gifts? We got gifts today. Here yeah. you go. Here's all the gifts in the world. They just happen overnight. Whatever. Well, and also every other, I mean, Android isn't quite perfect in this regard, but they've gotten, they've been way better and uh, like it or hate it. They've built a lot of this functionality into Google Play services, but they're able to update all their core apps. They're able to update even core parts of the OS. They updated the the browsing engine that like powers three quarters of the apps you use on Android over Google Play services. Um, and uh, a bunch of that sort of incremental just ship and update stuff uh, that Apple just fundamentally is still not doing it. But Apple's very, better. And this is thematically it's similar to some of these other things that they do, like the, the joke about them, them having to shut down the store. Right. Yeah, yeah, so it's all laced together. The AR thing I think is interesting because if you really want to be ahead, like race ahead, you should be updating those capabilities quite often. Hmm. It's you. This is enough stuff in an update that it's not just a dot update, right? Usually, this level of stuff, then plus a slide of other things, is iOS twelve. Yeah. So you think maybe they're getting better? I don't know if this quite yeah. hits uh, iOS twelve. You can you can make the well. It's not enough for a twelve, but normally you'd only see these new features added once they hit twelve. Yeah, an entire battery management screen is like usually that's a whole upgrade. Right, that's the right. kind of feature that Apple rolls out in a whole upgrade. So maybe on the, on, the, on the one hand, it's like you should just roll out these incrementally over time. That's how everybody else does it. Apple's tradition has been to roll out a bunch of updates. I, they're finding some sort of balance, right? This is obviously somewhere in the middle of that. But I, mm-hmm. I think lumping in like, hey, you know that huge battery controversy? Like yeah. we fixed it. But also here's, four, here's a dancing monkey. Like that's weird. Mm. It's a bear, by the way. Can I ask bear. you guys about this health record stuff? Yeah. Is this gonna be is this gonna be actually a big deal? Can we finally actually look at our health records? Or is this just gonna be like four hospitals? It'll be four in hospitals. California. I mean the yeah. the regulatory stuff around this is not I easy. wanna see my health records. But the, but the reason I think that the health them. records thing is interesting is this the security that I, and the the trust and privacy that people have 
in Apple and in iOS is potentially a huge moat. Uh, there's, sorry, Google, no way on God's green earth I would want this kind of data on my Android phone that, really? without like lots of, of extra right. encryption and stuff on Because it. you would install like an alarm clock app and it would have like 10,000 permissions and scrape this data. Right, yeah. <laughs> right? Like, um, but people <laughs> well, trust Apple. Yeah, it's the world's best alarm clock. In fact, they're even they're like creating a new icon to let you know when like certain apps want like need your private information. I forget what what it is, but like they're they're creating more signals to say like, hey, you're in a zone where you need to like pay attention to what's happening with your information here yeah. over time. Yeah, yeah, and then it's stuff like this one to me. This is just a bullet point. Apple's PR. Apple Music will soon be the home for music videos. It's like, yeah, it. There are already music videos in there. It's. I don't think of it like it's not YouTube. Like it's, they changed it's just, the name it's of iBooks mishmash to books. Of things, huh? iBooks is now books. Yeah, I, I think that where they got to was they needed to talk about the battery features, which are probably not ready because they had to scramble to make them. Yeah, they're in the development cycle, and they just looked at the stuff that was done, and they wrapped up a bunch of stuff that was done and called it iOS eleven point three. And that's totally yeah. fair. I hope that inspires them to do more bigger dot updates. But I, it's Apple also just never talks about this shit. The fact that they're previewing an iOS update, I, it's strange. It's new. I can't remember another time they've done something like this. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of things they previewed, Ooh. this is the Whoa. controversy of the week. Whoa. Whew. The, 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 the blog posts have been blogged about this one. I'm, I, I'm sorry. It's so hard to hype this up. Yeah, I really lost you. I don't know what you're no, talking they, about. No, the now. HomePod okay, is going to ship. Thank you. Okay, That's HomePod. what I was hey. The bloggers February were blogging. 9th. Are they? No, Dieter blogged. I blogged. Oh, man. I missed it. I, I went and done did blog. I tweeted and then I blogged. Yeah, the correct order. <laughs> <laughs> no, so they announced the HomePod's coming out on February 9th. It was yep. obviously delayed. They announced a delay at the end of last year. It was supposed to hit for the holiday. And then the, I mean, Dieter, what was your headline? Like obvious questions. It's three hundred fifty bucks. Yeah, it. There's no. Well, n but the the surprise is it's shipping without all its features. It yeah. is not able to do stereo pairing at launch. AirPlay two isn't out yet. Uh, yeah, so it, like it's missing some core core things. I feel like the stereo pairing. I mean, like, if you're willing to spend seven hundred dollars on the HomePod, yeah, because oh, that's also you, multi room. Is yeah, multi room. Then you're going to wait a little bit longer, is all I'm saying. What, what are you pointing at? Well, th this is a break in the time continuum. Yeah. Because we already talked to Ben, actually. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> but I know of a company named DJI that ships new hardware all the time that can follow you around and avoid obstacles. Yeah. Why is this so hard for Apple to make a HomePod? <laughs> I don't know, yeah. Man. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of people defending like you don't understand how deep the tweeters are. <laughs> okay, yeah. So I mean, I, so no, I said there's a lot of controversy. The controversy, as always, this was the the thrust of Dieter's piece, is that Apple's late to market with a much more but, expensive product. Mm. Right? Actually, so the, the thrust of my piece was these are the common criticisms that are going to be applied to the HomePod. I have them myself. But I am also fundamentally conflicted about making them because they are all the criticisms that were applied to the iPod. And those criticisms were dead wrong. They were also dead wrong about the iPhone. I think they're probably right this time. But like – They're dead wrong about the iPad. It, yeah, right? Like 
all of the, the these are very common criticisms of Apple products, and they have are almost always proven wrong. And so to to like here we are yet again up to plate, wanting to lob the same criticisms over the plate. They're they're Apple's swinging and we're pitching. I don't know what I'm doing here with this metaphor. I'm really sorry. It's, it's, there's a uh, lot going on in it. Yeah. Okay. So uh, and so if this the, what if what if we're wrong? What if we're wrong? What if it's not too late to market? What if Alexa and Google haven't sold it up? What if it is, in fact, quote unquote? So my favorite set of tweets, and I don't mean to call this person out because they were very well intentioned, but somebody tweeted at me like 15 times in a row, and every single one of the tweets mentioned that the HomePod has seven tweeters and none of the competitors do. And I was just like, please, please stop counting tweeters at me. Like, you know what that sounds like? What's that? Okay, so when the when the I pod came out they're like Psh, not a big deal mm-hmm. i can buy an mp3 player and put a 2.5 inch hard drive in there and have yeah. way more songs yeah so so for this to be another ipod the echo needs to be a rio right yeah right. the echo a rio? Like the, the, no i think that's the thing the we live for better or worse we live in apple's world specifically like steve jobs's world mm-hmm. where Everyone places a high emphasis on design and user experience, not as high as we would like, but the emphasis on design and user experience and ease of all that is baked into the DNA of most of the companies around us now, right? Like maybe not as much as Apple, maybe Apple makes different trade or whatever, but no one's shipping Windows 3.1 anymore, right? right? right. Like they're all shipping good products that are well integrated with services and all, all of the things. Mm-hmm. There's like beautiful hardware. The question is, and the reason the iPod won was, yes, it was more expensive, but it offered such a significantly better user experience. Yeah. Also, it had a technical innovation that was unique that uh, was beyond in the, just in the, the user experience. Well, the interface, but also in like so recognizing the importance of those tiny hard drives early, yeah. John Rubenstein, and and locking up the the you know the shipping of those, the acquiring of those things for the iPod. It, it had a technical advantage that was meaningful that uh, tied up with the user experience and, you know, the software and the click wheel made for something that felt qualitatively different, not just like a slightly better MP3 player. And the question for the HomePod is, is the sound quality of this thing going to make you feel like it's qualitatively different in the way the iPod and the iPhone, and you you could, I guess you really wanted to argue the iPad, but I don't, I don't know about that, felt like magically When the different. iPad came out in its moment, it was the fastest selling product in Apple's history, right? Like yeah. people doubted it and it came out and then people held it in their hands and they bought as many of them as they could. So in that yeah. moment, people really And then they really never bought another one iPad. after that. Right and, then, right, and then Apple duffed it, <laughs> whatever. I mean, it's still like a great product and so on and so forth. Yeah. But, right, it's, it's not just on that trajectory. Fine, but my... My point is the competitors have gotten significantly better than Diamond Rio, right? Yeah. Like they've gotten significantly better than the than Creative, which was literally like, what if we buy a Discman shell and shove a hard drive into it? People like this shape. Yeah. They're significantly better than Microsoft at that time, right? Like even Microsoft now is a great competitor to Apple. They make great products. The Google Home is a nice-looking device, with like a reasonable like air fresheners. <laughs> yeah, it's like I was trying to get through that one. <laughs> the new Echo with the, like the fabric. It's like they're all nice yeah. devices. Pe- and we did that survey last year, the tech survey. People love Amazon. They like yep. truly. 
a nationally representative sample of people told us they love Amazon the most by far of any tech company. So Apple's yeah. not up against like bad competitors with no sense of design. They're up against yeah, and the physical design of the HomePod is it's very good, but it's not so much better that I would absolutely buy it over a Sonos. That's the other thing that we're not talking about in this conversation is Sonos just announced their their for a limited time, we'll see how long that lasts. They're selling two Sonos Play Ones for three fifty, the same price, so it's fifty bucks off. Um, they just had a discount for Black Friday that was equally big. So like these things are going to get discounted left and right. And you can buy into a system that does multi-room stereo pairing and works wirelessly with every music service. The, the thing about the HomePod is the music service that works best with it is Apple Music. No, you the can, only service that works best. With <sighs> you can use other services with it. You can AirPlay, blah, blah, blah. Everyone was blowing up my, my mentions with this information. I understand. But the only one you can talk to it and say, T play me a song is... Apple Music. So not only are they coming in, quote unquote, late, not only do they have better competition than they did for either of those other products, they are coming in like missing key features. And again, everything I'm saying apply to the other things. The iPod miss, was missing key features, uh, but it turned out those features weren't key. But I just think that I, I would much rather be in an ecosystem that like Sonos has built up or Amazon or Google has built up than uh, depend on Siri and Apple Music right now. So here's – I'm going to try to make the argument for the HomePod. So I'm, yeah. I, I love big fancy speakers. They're my fave. Mm -hmm. And honestly, mm -hmm. counting tweeters is like how I spend my free time. Sure. Like one tweeter. That speaker has three mid-range drivers. It's, it's strange. But OK. So they built this speaker. They're yeah. doing neat things with it. Right, so mm -hmm. it's. I've always wondered why the Echo, which is called the Echo, doesn't use its microphones to listen for echoes and sound better. Mm -hmm. Seems like a thing it could do. Apple's yeah. the only one that's using the microphones. Google's Not true. Now. Google Home Max does it. Oh, the Max does it. Yep. I didn't know that. I haven't got a Max. I'm getting a Max tomorrow, actually. Oh, just to play with it. Yeah, you can you can pick up a Google Home Max and move it across the room, and then five seconds later, the entire that sounds it sounds shitty when you put it in the corner. And then five seconds later, it sounds good again. Okay, so the Max does it, but the mm -hmm. the competitors that I think are more interesting to like the Sonos One doesn't do that, even though it has microphones right. in it. You still got to wave your phone around and do the True Tone thing, um, True Play. That's what it's called. Um, do you know about this? In the Sonos, so you buy a Sonos speaker, you set it up in the app, you like push the button, and then it iPhone hardware is standardized, so they know what the mics pick up. You walk around the room waving the app around, and it listens to itself. Oh. It chirps out beeps. Apple doesn't do so that. They're just doing it for your room. Oh. Yeah, Apple just does it in real time. Yeah. Right. Uh, Google Max apparently does it in real time. Um, that could be a dramatic difference. It could be the best speaker you ever own just for that. Yep. Hmm. I, as a person who like cares about audio quality, have routinely found that when I point out to people that things sound bad, they don't care. Yeah. They just don't <laughs> care. Can, can, this is... Here's my favorite example. You know what sounds the MP3, awful? Oh, you're, you, are, you bringing up the are you bringing up mini discs? No, no, no. You know what sounds awful? AirPods. Yeah. They sound awful. Okay. But you know what sounds worse? Yeah. Beats X. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I, I wanted to officially, I actually meant to do it last week. Uh, I forgot. But I wanted to officially announce yeah. that the dongle life is over. Yeah. And I lost. Yeah. I am a defeated, humbled man. <laughs> And guess where? <laughs> guess who got who? Guess who got the money? Yeah. Guess who got paid? Because yeah. I lost the dongle life. Timmy. 
Timmy. <laughs> Timmy <laughs> sold me a pair of Beats X. And they are the most garbage sound. They make me hate music. Yeah. I, I, it, it's, it's terrible. But it is convenient. And it's yeah. the form factor I need and want. Yeah. And it's got the W1. And I hate pairing over Bluetooth. And I've lost. Yeah. Maybe this is why I listen to podcasts so much and not music, is I've got garbage headphones. Yep. I, actually, I think that's a big part of the AirPod secret. Like, so many people listen to podcasts when, like, it doesn't really matter. But, like, they sound like earpods. Earpods, right, there's a little bit less echo because you don't have the wire and all that stuff, resonance. Uh, but they sound like earpods. Mm-hmm. Earpods, not the world's most beloved-sounding headphones. No. But you, t- you trade convenience. Yeah, and most did. people always pick convenience over sound quality. First iPod. Uh, 128K AAC is from the iTunes store. Did not sound great. I assure you, they did not sound great. But they were so convenient mm. that that's what that's what he used. And everyone was fine with it. Right. Like, I, I just think banking on sound quality and that market of sound. So, <laughs> so Dieter, I know, I know people are going to tweet us. So you're supposed to use it with Apple Music. So it's like an Apple Music subscription. Right? Yeah. So you can be like, hey, Siri, play me a song. You know what service markets itself to super high-end audio nerds? Tidal. So if you're the kind of person who wants to spend money on massive amounts of auto-correcting tweeters, you are probably the sort of person who wants uncompressed music being streamed to them. Can't do that because you're supposed to use Apple Music, which is still compressed. And Apple, as far as they have ever told me, and I think they're probably right, thinks that you can't hear the difference. So they're like, why would we do this? It's a waste of bandwidth. It's a waste of money. We don't want to do it. But they're just entering the, the part of the market where those are the marginal decisions you start making. It's like I know a lot of people who are like the best solution is a Sonos Play 5 and Tidal. The one thing that makes me think the HomePod could work and be very successful is the, the – remember the Bose Wave Radio? Yeah. Everybody yeah. had like bad radios and it didn't matter. And all of a sudden they heard a radio that sounded like 10 times better than what they normally heard. Yeah. Pleasing. Pleasing-wise. Audiophiles didn't like it. But it was pleasing to listen to. And then everybody bought them. Look, it's Apple. I think they're going to sell a lot of HomePods. People are like, people are going to walk in the store. We're going to look at them. They're going to buy them. Yeah. That's what they they look. They look like they sound good. They they, they look like a <laughs> like a. <laughs> no, they do. They look like a little cantaloupe, right? But they're they're do you like think they look substantial. Wait, hold I mean, on, Dieter, I just want to unpack this. They look like they sound good. They look like yeah. cantaloupes. Yeah. In the Haven't logical... you ever picked up a cantaloupe at the grocery store and knocked on it and listened to it and be like, oh, yeah, that sounds good. I sniff my cantaloupes. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I make them play music for me. <laughs> Wait, is the whole pod the, the good news of a is, cantaloupe? Uh, I've never no. seen Teenagers one are not. Teenagers are not going to try and eat the HomePod and won't be poisoned by it because it's too big. <laughs> I can't do this I'm for like, another week, y'all. <laughs> I can't. I won't. I won't do it. Uh, oh. Okay, let's read an ad. Then Ben's going to join us. And then we're going to talk about some drones. This episode of the Vergecast brought to you by Mattress Firm, which is not a variable name for a mattress company, but actually a mattress company called Mattress Firm. Mattress Firm has one question for all the I'm going to listen to podcasts, let me fall asleep people. Are you struggling to get some shut eye? If you answered yes, you're in luck because now they have a great tip for how you can zonk up more easily. Mattress Firm is America's neighborhood mattress store, and it lets you stretch your budget farther when you're looking for ways to improve your sleep. They are more than mattress experts. They have a whole package that helps you transform your mattress into a bed from adjustable bases and sheets to headboards and bedroom decor. They have you covered literally and figuratively. So go to mattressfirm.com slash podcast to see what deals are happening right now. 
right now as I read the sentence. And you get a 120-night sleep trial to ensure perfection and a 120-night low-price guarantee so you know you paid the perfect price. So go to mattressroom.com slash podcast to learn how your sleeping could be monumentally improved. Monumentally. And if you're still awake, we're going to get back to the show right now. All right, we're back from the advertising, which is great. Okay, Ben Popper is here. Hello, everybody. Now, you might remember <laughs> Ben has been on the Verge cast many times. Several, on several occasions. Because ben, ben, for many years, was the Verge's business editor. For five and a half years. You were, you were a journalist. A proud, man dedicated of journalist. Integrity. Someone say principles. An, an ally. An ally. Yes. But, <laughs> but recently, Ben, you have, you have crossed over to what uh, many would call the dark side. The cool Kylo Ren. Maybe they're still good in him, Dark Side. Uh, maybe. Yeah, is Kylo Ren cool? Oh, <laughs> Kylo Ren was straight up like <laughs> killed his dad. <laughs> like, sorry, spoiler for whoa. the one Vergecast fan whoa. who's not seen that whoa, movie. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Well, you don't know who his dad is. Um, yes, I now work as a communications manager, which is as sexy as it sounds, for DJI. The drone company. The drone company that I yeah. covered for many years. Yeah, you were on the show. You were talking about drones. And now you work at the drone company. Yikes. You assemble drones I, I need, by ben, hand. Ben, I, I need an important question answered. Um, it's impossible to say your company's name yes. uh, without just saying DJI, mm-hmm. DGI, mm-hmm. DGI. Right. What What is a preferred pronunciation? Because I know it's DJI, but DJI is the worst. DJI. I just say it like that. DJI. And I kind of elided like to D, a G. DG. Everyone yeah. says DJI. DJI. Yeah. Um, anyway, so this is a true story. So Ben told us he was leaving it at the end of last year. And I said, well, you got to come on the Vergecast one more time before you go. And then it was the holidays, and it was CES, then Ben left, and we just didn't make it happen. But DJI announced a new drone this week. That's right. So we figured I'd Ben on for a few minutes, talk about that, and, you know, make fun of him make for fun going of on the dark side. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here for my closure, but I've also brought you a drone. Do I get to keep this with drone? With a news pack. Yeah, you, I, you guys have one to keep. You have to take that up with Sean. Okay. My Sean has Sean has a unit Sean has a review guys unit. test. Yeah, you guys got to review. All right, so t- what, what what is this thing? This is the new Mavic Air, uh, which is the second in our Mavic line. Um, and what's great our. about it? Yeah, listen I heard to that. that. I, but unfortunately, I've, I've also <laughs> said our it, with reference to the Verge. So I like use both of them. And I'll be like, I'll be like, our coverage was great this week. And they're like, what do you mean? I was like, the Verge. And they're oh. like, you don't work there anymore. So yeah, <laughs> it's I confusing. Have, I have two families at once. It's awkward. Um, it's the second in the uh, Mavic series after the Mavic Pro, um, and you know it's got a imaging system, which in many ways is equal or superior. 4K camera, three-axis stabilized gimbal. Um, it's got sensors on the front and the bottom and the rear that stop you from crashing. Yeah. You can shoot. So it's uh, basically the Mavic. It's basically the Mavic, except it's way, very way smaller pretty and, and very small. Really nice, like RoboCop slash sports car design. Um, and because it's a little smaller, you have a little bit less range and battery life. But you have more smarts, better camera, and definitely more portable. Can, can I can I send you a little softball with about the smarts? Mm-hmm. So this has more obstacle avoidance, mm-hmm. like not it doesn't just stop in front of an obstacle and maybe it'll go around. How's it yes. doing? How's it doing that? So we have something we, we're calling a pass, which Wee, is all these wees. Uh, it's killing me, Ben. <laughs> DJI has. Uh, Was it called a pass? No, called, I need the I need the terms. Um, so basically what that is going to do for you is, you know, you could set this to follow you. Let's say you were going on a mountain bike or you were, uh, you know, like do, going for like um, a skateboarding adventure or whatever, and it yeah. would follow you. And before it would follow you, and if it was going to run into a tree, it would stop. Uh-huh. Now uh, what it will do is it will try and plot 
a path around the tree so I can continue to follow and film you without, uh, you know, crashing. So is A-Pass a reference to the A-Star pathfinding algorithm? It's like advanced positioning uh, uh, altitude oh, system or something like that. That sound, by the way, was I just turned it on, and this thing is nice. super yeah. cool. Um, okay, so Ben asked an easy question. I got to ask a hard question. Oh, I got tons of uh, I, I only got – you asked a softball? We got, we got hard balls. All right, dude's right. got a hard ball. I'm ready. It, I haven't really been media like, trained, so this is going to go terrible. DJI is making too many drones that are too hard to tell apart, and as a, as a casual user – who maybe wants to be pro, I could see myself yeah. wanting to buy one of these drones, but good God, deciding between them seems uh, way harder than it ought to be. Like, why, what's the difference between this and the, the pro? And then, then there's also the Spark, which I get like the Spark is in the so middle. So I'm going like, to give you an answer. Doing which, the math of all the different drones right. seems really hard right now. I'm going to give you an answer. I'm going I'm to cheat a little bit. There's an old article on a, a great website that I used to read called TheVerge.com. Oh, my God. Uh, and I think the author was this guy named Ben Popper. He was a journalist at The Verge. And what he yeah, said I, I, was Who is that, he? I never heard of him. You know, DJI's Maybe only he... competition is itself. And increasingly, it's hard to understand why they're pushing so aggressively to put out new things with more features that sort of obviate some of the old product. And it feels like maybe they're cannibalizing their line. You know, I think one of the interesting things about DJI is that it's very much a Chinese company and they feel strongly whatever we make will be copied, you know, completely within six months and those people will try to undercut us, you know, and, and, and dilute our brand. So we have to have something better, stronger, faster coming out every six months and that's how we'll win and that is the strategy on which they operate. And it's very different from like an Apple strategy of like, let's try to maximize profit over a one, two, three year cycle by releasing, you know, various units which are appreciably different and under and above each other. I mean, like, it's super weird to put out an uh, Air unit that is in many ways more powerful than the Pro unit. I mean, it has been 18 right. months since Pro. I, I guess how let me it, ask how this is it question. more powerful than the Mavic Pro? Uh, I'll tell you that. But let me ask this question. Is it ever true that like, if Apple puts out a you know, MacBook Pro and then a year later that there's a new MacBook Air, the new MacBook Air is in some ways better than the Pro that came a year before? I think that suggests that Apple... Uh, puts out MacBooks that are good. <laughs> Apple <laughs> is a, a laptop from a speeds and, yeah, from a speeds and feeds perspective. <laughs> yeah. um, I think the question of like, is the newer one more po more powerful than the older one is not really the issue. It's more like I'm a person who has a drone or wants to buy a drone. It is nearly impossible to just tell at a glance which one to buy, right? right. Like it feels like the answer is just buy the Spark. You'll love it and then you can upgrade. Right. But this one is the one I would buy save for my, one thing which is it runs on Wi-Fi and not RF. Yeah. So I mean, so, like now I'm just upsold there. to the pro, right? Um, but you're upsold to the thing that is worse in some ways. It's very complicated, right? So uh, by the way, if you are not super familiar with drones, many of them run over Wi-Fi. It's a thing. They you put out a Wi-Fi signal, but I'm assuming your phone connects to it and it connects the controller. Does all that. Yes. That's the, um, you, that, and you, like, you, you don't like have to like go into the Wi-Fi menu settings or anything like that. You just connect this to the remote. Open the app. If the remote and the drone are both on, you're connected. It's the, there's no like toggling through Wi-Fi settings or anything like that. Right, the, but the, the protocol it's running over is Wi-Fi. Apparently, it is boosted Wi-Fi. Apparently, this is a new thing we're doing. Um, I, you so know, I'm not on the engineering side. I can't just yeah. tell you why, but you know, that gives you two and a half miles of range. And in the United States, you're not supposed to fly beyond line of sight, so you can safely fly well less than the you know. Uh, maximum range, mm -hmm. um, and that's the most you'd want to because you know you wouldn't want to really let it out of your sight. So like half of the maximum range is probably as far as you would ever want to go. Yeah, but um, having used many Wi-Fi drones right. in my life, yeah, I will tell you that my Phantom Four, which is RF, right, is far superior. Yeah, uh, it's it's way huger and more complicated to right. use. But 
I mean, I've been the flying for the RF. last week and a half, and I haven't had any disconnections or signal loss or like issues. But you with wouldn't the video tell us now. Out. No, I would tell you. Hmm. Well, you you guys do an honest <laughs> review. I mean, <laughs> I've written many times like DJI is so smart. They always use RF. It's better than Wi-Fi, which is like yeah. what Parrot and Unique and all these other folks have. Now we've gone over to Wi-Fi. We have this super cool landing gear that flips down, which is also a omnidirectional Wi-Fi antenna. Why are you, uh, wait, why are you doing a voice? Wait, that's his PR guy voice. Okay. PR guy voice. Let's um, <laughs> really throw it for a loop. Did you guys notice how we got like Joni Ives' cousin to do our voiceover for the for the? Yeah, uh, what was that about? I, <laughs> Johnny, I got, yeah. not Joni. Yeah, we got we got Joni Ives. Joni Ives' sister. It's the family's cousin. very strange. Johnny is Joni's cousin. Yeah. Um, I don't know. That's like that's like the aesthetic that they're going for. Um, I mean, I think it's cool. It looks it looks awesome. Obviously, yeah. we, we've had a lot of coverage on the site, um, and Sean's uh, doing a review. And I think yeah. Veer and our videographer out in California is deep into review stuff as well because yeah. you review it's a video it camera and, and tell me what you think. I hope you guys like camera. it. Um, well, the Spark is four hundred dollars now. The Spark is $400 now. I mean, the Spark is a very different drone. The Spark, you know, you're not going to want to go beyond one, 200 meters. You don't have anywhere, you know, don't have a stabilized camera. Um, you know, I, I think like the Mavic line is, is, is substantially different from that. The is fact that, that a new drone came in that's so much more powerful, but only $200 more than the original Spark is confusing. Yeah. But I don't make those decisions. I just tell you that we've got great technology, which we do. <laughs> um, so, yeah. And uh, I also think you ha it goes back to the – I mean, I could give you this the whole, like, little lecture on Shenzhen and Shanzai and all this stuff. But, like, the culture there is very much, like, learn how to do something in-house and then leave and compete against the person who taught you how to do that and do it better, cheaper, faster. And there are copycats everywhere, and there's no expectation of IP protection. And so running at a breakneck pace to always be making the next unit is just part of the culture there in a way I don't think it is in the so West. Where, but where wait, are the other Chinese drone makers that are wait, even competitive with DJ? Like, name one. Well, Autel and Unique are the two, um, okay. and Autel showed off a Mavic competitor at CES that had forward and backward, you know, like obstacle mm -hmm. avoidance, and was priced under it. And they were like, "Hey, this can compete with the Mavic." And then we were like, "Hey, here's the Mavic Air. This is what this is DJI's trick: is like release something, and as soon as something that could be a competitor comes out, then release your next thing." You, and it was the same thing with the GoPro and our, yeah. the first Mavic. Do you think IP? This is the bin we miss. I'm asking. <laughs> <laughs> Looking to your soul. Do you think, because uh, I'm really uh, becoming anti-patent um, and almost anti-IP entirely. Do you wow. think Your politics are such a mystery to me. Do you think, I think U.S. companies would be from, more Paul? competitive and more rapidly competitive and have more of a fire under their butts wow. if they couldn't rush to and i think uh inventors like individuals with new ideas could also be more successful if we got rid of a lot of our patent and ip protections in the u.s what yeah. do you think there's ben? a great wire documentary not to plug a competitor on the show about what are you doing man you show up you're on the dark side you're saying we all right, all right. you're so, talking about wired look there's a great documentary about shenzhen made by some <laughs> publication whose name i can't remember right. in which they get into that and he's saying look you know i think one of the reasons we think that china will be the silicon valley of hardware going forward is that there isn't that expectation of ip protection and all this money being invested in lawyers and litigation it's just out compete and move faster and that you know like leads to iterations like this where it's you're almost always cannibalizing your own product because that's the way you think you can stay ahead of the competition. Right. This is why there's only one company that can make GPUs right now, which is NVIDIA. I mean, other companies make GPUs. They're just not as good. Barely. 
<laughs> if you make it's a GPU a and it's not as good for uh, the same price, there's not a single Nvidia GPU exist. in this room right now. There's only AMD GPUs in this room. It's Why fact. is that? Because Apple picks AMD <laughs> every time. I don't have to tell you. Know what you're <laughs> I was just, it's just like you're like there's a one dominant patents are it's like we don't have any around us. Yeah, I get it. I understand what you're saying. All right, you watch. <laughs> you just watch. Um, but yeah, we had a guy come on to do like Chris Burkhardt, who's a travel nature photographer. I don't, yeah. I don't know him, but you know he's big in that world. And he was sort of saying like the big difference is you know that for some people, a lot of people, when you're packing gear, it does come down to like ounces and mm -hmm. size. And so like, I think being able to get the same imaging system as the Mavic Pro in like a package that's half the size would yeah. be a reason you could say like, obviously you would choose X over Y. Yeah. Uh, What's the controller for this thing? Let me, do you have it? Oh yeah, it's really sweet. So another nice thing about DJI is like, you know, they make beautiful hardware as you can see and there's like a lot of attention there's a to detail. Careful. There's no screen on it though, there's right? There's no thumbsticks. Where are the thumbsticks? Ooh, they're in here. Mm, wow. Yeah, there's a, little, there's a little storage unit for the thumbsticks, which are neat. But the, the new controller for the Mavic Air doesn't have a display on it, Correct. right? Correct. You, you, it's only your phone. It doesn't have that little extra display. Correct. Um, so it doesn't have the little heads-up telemetry so that you can sort of use it without your phone. And, uh, yeah, not, not quite sure why we made that decision. Not privy to that. Um, so the other great thing, which I'm, I, I would show you. <laughs> this is great. I would show there's you like here. A, there's an element to this interview where just watching Ben navigate his first interview as yes. a communications professional. Yes. I'm sure it's it was like a, the best thing that's happened. Sure, it was a wise and sensible decision for power management, economy of scale, to hit to hit to hit a wonderful price point that would appeal to a broad. Range so wait, of is consumers. this lightning connector fixed? Can you get like a USB C one? Yeah, yeah, it just pops off here and there, and you can get. From oh, yeah, it comes with um, three little adapters: with, micro USB, micro, USB C, and yeah. lightning. Um, and another nice thing is now there's eight gigabits of internal storage on here and a USB-C on here. So you can just fly without an SD card and then transfer right to your machine. And, gigabits uh, or gigabits. But you can't charge it off the USB-C um, from, from what I can gather. No, I don't think so. I think you have to do the batteries. Um, the battery's big, yeah. Well, I think it's clear that a lot of people think Kylo Ren can be brought over back to, or to the, <laughs> the light side because of the uncertainty that he exudes. <laughs> Do I seem My uncertain? God. No, you don't seem uncertain. Uh, actually, let me ask you about that. So you yeah. were a journalist for a long time. Yeah. Why, why jump to a, to a company like GDI? That's a good question. I mean, um, part of it was that I had, you know, good relationships with people there. So, you know, I worked on stories about things DJI had done wrong. Yeah. Um, their bug bounty program was one I wrote here. I wrote a story that they all hated back when I didn't know how to pilot. That was like, I crashed a drone and almost killed somebody. Like, what's up with that? There should be more laws and regulation and all the things that we're now saying there should be, you know, we, yeah. we, let's not, 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 not rush to that judgment. So there were plenty of times when I wrote things about DJI that were, you know, the company wasn't happy with, but I also loved their product because I thought it was the best. And, you know, I guess the thing that was interesting to me after I went to the RoboMasters competition was that, you know, this is a first in a lot of ways. Like there's never been a Chinese company that was, you know, a global leader in a consumer electronics category. So that's brand new. Um, and even sort of like the tech industry there is, you know, only 20 or 30 years old. DJI as a consumer company is only five years old. Um, and then, you know, it's brand new sort of selling people something that is a combination of a camera, you know, a robot and an aircraft, like put all those things together. Um, so yeah, I felt really passionately about the product and I guess I just wanted to try the other side of the fence. I mean, I think the job I ended up doing here a lot of times was trying to shine a light on startups and businesses and new features that I thought were really interesting, like get people excited was what I like to do. Um, and so doing that in-house kind of made a lot of sense. Um, and my first couple of days, I feel like, I don't know. I mean, it's been weird, like um, doing CES and a launch event and all that stuff is pretty much like 
I know how to do it because I've been on the other side of the fence. But then it's like hanging out with the Casey Neistat of Mexico and like getting together with a dance crew and like trying to shoot some stuff to like make their video look awesome and like yeah. things that feel creative and exciting. Um, do- doesn't feel like, you know, I'm selling canned soup over here. So. so a thing we always talk about in this room yeah, you know, on the show is like, imagine the meeting where so-and-so was discussed. <laughs> Have you been to one of those meetings? I'm going to HQ in uh, two okay. weeks. So I'm going to be in Shenzhen. It's really funny. Like, you know, I think another thing is there's a, there's a huge gap to bridge. So like, you know, all of the engineering and R&D and a lot of decisions get made out of headquarters, but obviously, you know, the major markets are equally in North America and Europe. Um, and so like trying to build those lines of communication and trying to like translate certain ideas yeah. across cultural borders is, is I think very new and interesting and hasn't really been done before. Is, is a company thinking about that? Cause if you think of the model I would present to you, would be like Samsung where Samsung is this huge company, right. very successful, Massive business in this country, right. in, in this country, but no, like presence. Mm-hmm. If that makes any sense, there's there's not like a lot of faces of Samsung. Right. The company lacks a character. Right. Um, it's just a dominant phone provider here. Yeah. And then things sort of happen over there, and they get thrown over the fence to here. Yeah. Um, and they do a good job. Like I, I'm not criticizing it. It's a valid model. It's obviously very successful. Is DJ trying to be different? Are they trying to like have a bunch of faces? Are they trying to be really responsive to this market? Are they trying to feel like they're um, like integrated into this market, or is it just a bunch of stuff is going to happen in China? We're going to sell some drones over here, right? I think DJI is trying to do that. I think that's why they hire people like me. It's like, what is creative storytelling that works in the West versus you know what that works in North America versus China? They're very different things. Um, you know, like how do we get more stories of just people on there as opposed to like this is the best technology with great design and ultimate features maxed out to the max? It's like, hey, here's this nature photographer talking about why this drone yeah, makes sense for. Right, right. But I'm saying like that's humanizing it. My boss, Michael Perry, is like sort of the head of North America. He's the guy who was on stage. So he's very much like, again, a conduit where he speaks fluent Mandarin. He lived in Hong Kong for five years. And so he's like somebody who represents the company Mm -hmm. in North America. But I mean, I guess like a thing that excites me is that, you know, like one of the dominant modes for young people to like be creative and communicate with the world is to make video, right? Mm -hmm. So like we didn't have to ask Casey Neistat to like start doing videos about our drones. He did that on his own. And then we, you know connected with him and start giving him stuff first. And the same thing with this guy I was hanging out with, Luisito, who has, you know, 12 million followers. I've never heard of him, but in Mexico, he's like the biggest thing. Like saying, hey, you want to spend a day playing with the drone is like a no-brainer for him because his yeah. life is making video. Um, and I think... I want to ask you a question. Yeah. Do you pay the influencers? We don't pay the influencers. We give them product ahead of time. Yeah. But um, we don't pay them, at least to my knowledge. Yeah. I can answer that question honestly. I'm not perjuring myself. Um, we might, but not, no, well, not that I, I've it's, it's coming. So I, you know, I think that, he, that I love YouTube. I watch a ton of YouTube videos. I, yeah. I like Casey a lot. I think um, – I don't know Lucy, too. He seems lovely. Um, uh, but that, that's – it's just a part of the new media ecosystem. Right. right. But I guess what I'm saying is like it's a little bit different if you're like, hey, would you talk about XYZ brand? Would you bring it on? And it doesn't feel organic. Whereas here it's like, hey, would you try out this new flying camera that will make your vlog look awesome? And it's like, well, of course I will. Like I would use that tool anyway. Yeah. So, so like the, connect, the connection there is more organic and natural. So here's the next question. The problem with GoPro mm-hmm. was that eventually everybody who needed a GoPro uh, had one. Right. If people are going to buy these. They're getting cheaper. Yes. How, are you just going to – is DJI going to hit that wall? Well, there's a lot more room for – there's a lot more headroom because um, I think – 
you know, adoption of drones is a lot slower. They're more complicated. People are a little bit more nervous about them. They're more expensive. So like our size and price is coming down, but you know, it's still $800 is, you know, what this unit costs. And, you know, until the spark, yeah, $1,000 was the floor. Um, you know, and also like a big bulky drone isn't something people want. So as it gets closer and closer to fitting in your pocket, I think the total addressable market probably gets bigger. But, uh, you know, another thing is that it doesn't, we don't just make drones, right? Like we make stabilizers. I think somebody from The Verge did a really nice video about the Oslo Mobile 2. Um, the Oslo. Oslo. I'm just, yeah. that's how I said it on Twitter. Um, <laughs> the Oslo Mobile 2. Um, and, you know, the Ronin S. So like take an MKBHD type person who's like shooting with mirrorless but wants to be more run and gun. So, you know, some of the gimbal technology, I think, has wide applications that appeal to, again, that like creator set in a way that I feel like f- fits into a market that's growing really rapidly. Yeah. Do you think eventually you're just going to make a point and shoot camera? I mean, like, th- right, like the gimbal thing is actually really interesting. <laughs> well, to me. I, again, I would point. Well, the, I, you the know, original I, Osmo was uh, did have a camera permanently attached to it. It right. wasn't meant to put your phone on it. Yeah, you know, I, I'm not really at liberty to say. I would say, look back. There was a great article on um, TheVerge.com by this guy Ben Popper <laughs> about how DJI had bought a majority stake in Hasselblad, which they've never publicly acknowledged. But yeah. um, you know, that's an iconic camera company. Um, and uh, I think that there's some really interesting synergy that's happening there. Um, and, you know, also blot is... Yeah, I know. The so ben, synergy I word. love you, man, but you just said synergy on my show. And I think that's, that's <laughs> it. it. <laughs> I just got hooked. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, we, we already do make cameras, you know, like on the original Osmo. And, yeah. you know, I'm sure again in the future, you know, it's like we're giving you, uh, yeah, a 4K camera that works natively with our stabilizer yeah. and stuff like that. So um, I think not to par- phrase Snapchat, but we are a camera company. Oh, my God. Ooh. We are a robotics company. I don't, and we I are don't, a drone know, I don't know that I would never come back from the dark right side. <laughs> I'm sorry. I mean, I if we didn't have the word drone, we'd be like, hey, you want to check out this cool flying camera? I don't know what you'd call it, right? Like, yeah. in a lot of ways, drone is a bad word. It has a lot of baggage that we are, you know, fighting against. Like, when I say drone, people are like, you mean something that kills people? It's like, no, you know, but, uh, but it could. That was like a succinct <laughs> yeah, way. Like pretty obvious. Of, uh, I think the answer is no, it's rotors. Fall out of the sky. Um, okay, so I mean, I'm going to ask you one question about DJI, and then yes. we'll, and we'll, we'll we'll wrap with a. I'll I'll figure out some heartwarming question to ask you. Okay, great. What's the biggest <laughs> danger for DJI? Um, I think the biggest dangers are regulatory. There's a lot of uh, laws being proposed uh, at the local, state, and even federal level that will dramatically reduce the ability of recreational consumers mm-hmm. to uh, buy drones. And, um, you know, I, obviously we spend a lot of time and money trying to educate people, trying to make sure people register and trying to make sure people fly safely, but I, I would did, hate to I see register. a world, um, in which, yeah, like that, uh, sort of gets pushed aside in favor of only commercial flights and, you know, only drone f- delivery fleets and only, um, you know, like sort of things that are connected to a, you know, telecommunications network or have a specific chip inside. Like we think there's a ton of value to the recreational side and that's where people sort of discover the product and then end up starting a business or, you know, doing something innovative or uh, getting into public safety. So that I think is the biggest threat in North America is the, the uh, regulatory side of things, the policy side of things. And everywhere else is just this like lightning fast IP free competition. Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously you should never say, you know, there's no great competition out of there. And, you know, when you least expect it, that's when it will, you know, come up and nip you in the, the heels. But um, I feel really great about how quickly DJI innovates. And I think one of the things I, I had sort of figured out as I was reporting on them, again, to get back to like how this is sort of a first, is like there was never a company that was sort of the innovation and design leader, but also had the manufacturing mm-hmm. economy. 
you know, the economics of manufacturing. So like that is, I think the thing that makes it so difficult to compete with DJI is like, since they're vertically integrated and based in China, um, they can have product that is, you know, from a technical uh, perspective, superior from a design perspective, maybe equal or better, but at equal or lower cost. So that's hard to compete with. Can I ask a question? Yeah. What's stopping DJI from making a drone taxi? Uh, you mean like a, yeah, like a Uber elevator like type of thing? Yeah. Nothing is uh, stopping us, I think, from a technical perspective, but I think given that we're many years away from that being broadly legalized and we have lots of regulatory and policy issues to contend with, um, it's not something we're going to dabble in right away. No. But I, I don't, I think if every generation of the drone, you know, even this one has better, you know, obstacle avoidance and, you know, be- better recognizing people and gesture and all that stuff. Like, and, you know, the flight controller is more stable. Those are the core technologies. Just scale it up. You know, yeah. that's what you need um, to do that kind of stuff. So, yeah, like putting a bigger set of rotors and a bigger motor and a bigger battery on is like you could do that anytime. Um, it's the other technologies. They heard it here first. Safe. At any time, DJ, I could unleash a fleet I'm of not, flying taxis. <laughs> that was not to say that we are working on that. We're not. All I'm right, man. Um, well, thank you so much for coming on. Oh, thank you for was, having me. Uh, I really did want to have you on before you took this turn. I know. I just know. To, to go over the, the many years you spent here on The Verge. But it was always great working with you. I'm excited to see what, what's going to happen with you at DJI. Thanks. We'll have you back. Next time, though, is payment. You have to actually leave a drone with me. Okay. This was horrible that you brought this, like, very – it's beautiful. Thank and you. now you're going to take it away. I've left you one in the exact same color with Sean, so you can you can play with that one. And well, I, Sean has to like work. Yes, <laughs> like I, I I just goof around. Like okay. Sean's I will get you the glossy. Like, like, are you asking for a pay to play? Yeah, yeah, to be on okay. this podcast, <laughs> but only for drone manufacturing. I yeah. think it's fair. I think if, you, if you've been listening to the show for a long time, I, I you know that offering me a drone. I don't think you're an works. Arctic uh, white guy, though. I think you're the glossy sports car red, which we also offer. I don't know about that. We'll see. Or, you know, I'm just going to go play with the Phantom 4 that I purchased my own money and stop, outside of any conniving schemes. But never registered with the relevant agencies. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Did not do that. All right, Ben. Thank you so much for coming on, man. We'll, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, guys. This episode of Vergecast is brought to you by ZipRecruiter. I mean, you need a great talent for your business, but short on time. You don't want to get lost in a huge stack of resumes to find your perfect hire. You need the right tools. Smarter tools. ZipRecruiter posts your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards with just one click. Then, ZipRecruiter actively looks for the most qualified candidates and invites them to apply. They review every application to identify the top candidates so you never miss a great match. And that is why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike other hiring sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on the right candidates finding you. It finds them. So no wonder 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. ZipRecruiter. It's the smartest way to hire. So find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes and industries to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. Just go and post jobs for free on ZipRecruiter.com slash Verge. That's right now, ZipRecruiter.com slash Verge. Try it for free, ZipRecruiter.com slash Verge. Okay, Paul, Air Week. Mm-hmm. You do a thing. That's right. What's that thing? It's called a kin for your wrist. <laughs> No. Oh. <laughs> Leaked Xbox Watch images reveal Microsoft's canceled smartwatch. A forgotten prototype. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so there was a Xbox Watch. <laughs> <laughs> it looks so bad. <laughs> and it just it's just like, you know, when you see something like this, you just think, like, what's an alternate history? Like, where this was released, it was really successful, like, Xbox, when people are talking about Xbox, wait, you're talking about my watch or talking about the video game console? <laughs> no, no. The, the alternate history I want to know is like, 
this thing gets released and it it garners, you know, a hundred thousand super rabid fanboys that will defend it to the death yeah. as the best smartwatch ever made. Well, they're right. Like is the thing. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha there. We can't we can't we, we can't even respond. Just like, yep, yes, yes, they are. They are so right. Uh so yeah, Microsoft this is about in twenty thirteen. It's a big square watch. Wait, you, you mentioned the kin. We have to tell people what the kin was because they, they might not remember. Yeah. Oh, kin okay. Kin was kind of like an Xbox watch, but they released it. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> the Kin was a phone platform uh-huh. for teens. Right. It was like a feature phone plus. Mm-hmm. It was it incredible. Was horrible. It was incredible. And then Steve Ballmer said, no, 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 no. Everything has to run Windows. Start yeah. over. And then no. Verizon was like, where's the phone? I'm like, give us another minute. And then Verizon, who was planning on promoting the phone heavily, saw what they had produced and said, <laughs> Yeah, it wasn't no. great. Oh, poor kid. I think we were at Engadget and Josh Topolsky wrote an editorial that was like, cancel the can immediately. What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> no, but the can, in the perfect world, can is the gateway drug to Windows Phone. In a perfect yeah. world, can is training wheels to get acquainted with Metro way of life. <laughs> None of this was a good idea. <laughs> All of it was a bad idea. Uh, well, the Xbox Watch... <laughs> you know, I was cleaning up my office, looked at my Joy Division Zune one more time. Once a year, I, mean, I look at my Joy Division Zune. I there's think a I, world in which a tiny little Zune, a watch that's shaped like a tiny little Zune that has a Zune interface, is the watch that I would want. A brown Zune watch I would buy. All right, right. Microsoft. Bring it. Sachin. You're not making the band anymore. What else you got to do? I think it's Seriously. safe to say that both uh, Sachin Nadella, Sundar Pichai, and Tim Cook all listen to the Vergecast. Mm. Yeah. And I'm telling you, Together. gentlemen, they have, the race they have is a on to make they a Zoom watch. I've never they bought They have a Tech Titan or Vergecast a, listening okay. party every week. They all fly up to Jeff Bezos' house <laughs> and sit around. <laughs> and then they all race their voice assistants to play the Vergecast. <laughs> <laughs> and whoever wins, has to, they, the other ones have to split the pizza. <laughs> it's a real, real wacky night with the boys. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we're going to wrap this up. There's a bunch of lightning round stuff here that we should mention. Yeah. I've written in all caps here, why is all tech so lonely? Here's my here, here's Amazon invited a bunch of reporters including Jason Del Rey from Recode to the new store where there's no cashiers. You just you like walk in, tag your phone, take whatever you want off the shelves, cameras track you, you leave and it just automatically bills you, which is cool. Yeah. It, the course of this, uh, I think it was a CNBC reporter Took something, it missed it, and she basically just shoplifted it. Yeah. And she emailed them, and they're like, oh, it's fine. It doesn't happen a lot. It won't happen because everyone has to tag in and out of the store. Mm. So we're, like, highly confident that we got everybody. It's fine. What happens if you go there with your kids? Uh, right? Yeah. Like, what happens if you go there with a friend who doesn't have Amazon Prime or whatever? Uh-huh. Like, that person can just steal whatever they want. Or they just have to wait outside. Oh, I like, like that. Like, it's all built, like, is there going to be, like, a holding pen for children who don't have Amazon accounts? <laughs> <laughs> like, it's very confusing. Wait, if the kid's with you, it'll just go on your account, right? Who if, knows? If your kid is stuffing Snickers bars into their little Buzz Lightyear backpack. Yeah, yeah. 
It's you're, you're paying for the Snickers. It's just unclear. Like, who knows? Right. Because every person, when you scan in, the camera, like, does f- facial recognition. So, like, has Amazon built the thing where it's going to recognize your kids' faces and group them with you? This is a very, just a very lonely situation. It's designed for, like, single people yeah. who are shopping for themselves. And then the HomePod mm-hmm. came out today that, like, no multiple voices and, like, many of the features are only geared towards the person who sets it up with their iCloud account. And if their phone isn't on the local network, those features just won't work. And it's like, why is yeah. this the loneliest speaker you, in the world? You know, there's a term in software engineering called the happy path. Okay. So if all the results are, are true, because if, if, if one of the results is false, like you're, you're, you're filtering, like, can this person come into the store? Yes or no? If, it, if they can let them in, right? Yeah. If no, then like there's all these contingencies and there's all these like errors and like mitigations and like user prompts and dialogue boxes and all sorts of things that software designers have to do to work with when it isn't just how they were hoping it would be. Mm-hmm. So it's it's basically laziness. Yeah. I, they I, just they just built the happy path. And the happy path is apparently young hip singles like myself. <laughs> No, but it's true. Yeah. I mean, not to just, like most no, TV like, products if, are really If Amazon bad at- wins, if Amazon wins, you're, there's, you're never going to be able to like go have a crush on the cashier at the store and have a you know a little meet cute and whatever. Like that's never going to happen again. Yeah, it'll just be you and your other Amazon Prime members hurriedly rushing through a store, bringing in children to shoplift. Yeah, that's our future. Well, here's a meet cute. I don't have an Amazon Prime membership, but I, I'm starving to death. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Can I follow you into the <laughs> store and steal Snickers <laughs> and put them in my All right. Buzz Lightyear backpack? I'm just saying most TV products, totally unaware of the fact that multiple people might be in a room. Yeah. Uh, it's just the the iPad should have multiple users, doesn't it? It's just, I, it's just a trend I'm noticing where everything is designed for one person. Yeah. And, like, you often are not just one person. Whatever. Wait outside the store. <laughs> <laughs> wait in this pen. Uh, other lightning round stuff. Uh, Hydrogen One smartphone from Red. Shipping this summer. I'm so stoked for this thing. <laughs> I want it to be everything that they say it'll be. Like, it's such a monster. So many promises. They they got they say they have carrier support. Of course they do. You, Sprint's yeah, not gonna not? say no to them. What's what leverage is Sprint? Have? They seem to think they have great carrier it's, support. I bet you ten bucks at Sprint. Uh dear two Chromebooks Sprint. this week. Acer 350 buck Chromebook spin. Uh, Dell put out a Chromebook 5190 with USB. It, uh, the the Dell one looks really good to me. Yeah, Neither of them are good. The, to me, the main thing is that actually ha- matters in low end is uh, Microsoft did an, is taking another swing at the classroom with some some low end Windows stuff with ARM that looks uh, you know decent. Yeah. So why is Microsoft going ARM and these low end Chromebooks are Celerons? Celerons are uh, cheap and they perform slightly better uh, for Chrome than ARM. Yeah, and the uh, Dell one, the, is the Android apps are garbage, bucks. but whatever. I don't know. I don't I know. Mean, I, yeah, these are fine. I just think that these are not meant for, like you. You would be unhappy if you bought this. This is an education focused thing. If you think you, if you're gonna, if you want to spend as a home user, have a device on your couch, you want to spend you know less than three hundred fifty bucks. You should just get the you know the standard iPad, iPad, iPad. Even though, as you point out, um, it is worse at multi user than a Chromebook because. I don't know. It's it's the most confounding thing to me that Apple sucks at multi-user on the iPad. It would be so much better if the, even if they had just basic parental controls. 
It's just dumb. Anyway. The Chrome OS has very nice multi-user. Yeah. Our creative director, James Barham, has been using a Pixelbook as his main computer. He yeah. loves it. And he obviously still uses like a trash can Mac to edit photos. When he's just running around the office, Pixelbook. Yeah, I yeah. have a Pixelbook at home, and I needed to trim 20 seconds off a of video. Completely mm-hmm. stymied. Just yeah. like stuck. <laughs> yeah, I liked your because I I edited a little bit of video on the Pixelbook by uploading it to the internet where you can yeah. <laughs> edit stuff with websites. <laughs> uh, and then last one, uh, Samsung's already teasing the S9. I think we're all sort of imagining it's going to come out at MWC yeah. next month, right? So that's great. Yep. Uh, Vlad wrote a skating ex- editorial about Bixby today. Yeah, my favorite dog with shoes. And then this one's sad. Fitbit is just going to cut Pebble support in June. I th- I found my original Pebble. When I was cleaning my closet, I just threw it away. Aww. (laughs) What? You just threw away a pebble? What what am I going to do with it? I'm excited to see what the what user community for like like hacking and supporting the pebble after uh, it gets into life by Fitbit looks like. Um, Because that's like those those communities that like keep old tech alive and let you like learn how to use them and screw around with them and install custom software on it are fun to play around in. Uh, Yeah, like uh, like WebOS. Like yeah. WebOS, Pivot CE. It's a good, uh, good little group. Yeah. And then lastly, I was I just want to call out our reporter, Lauren Grush, who is an incredible reporter, has been just working nonstop uh, with all the launches. She really needs to get some sleep. But last night, uh, Wednesday night, a uh, huge scoop from Lauren that the Trump administration wants to end uh, funding for the International Space Station. It's a draft budget. It's a dra- well, yeah, but... Inside the draft budget is the proposal to end funding for the International Space Station. Uh, so congrats to Lauren for that scoop. It's not like the happiest news in the world. Um, I just want to call it out because it's great work. And it's already prompting responses from various centers, including Bill Nelson from Florida. So I just want to call it Laura, Lauren for that. Go over that on the website. It's, it's a She's got that beat down cold. Like, if you're in, into space, make sure you pay attention to Lauren's work. That's that, I think, for our show. Anything else? Oh, if we're calling out pieces, the, the Apple Watch piece. Oh, yeah, Liz's Apple Watch piece. Oh, boy, that was good. It's real good. So Liz Lopato, uh was working for months on it. Um, she and I have been, she's been, I've been editing it, but she's been doing the work. Right. Make any sense? So for months, we've been tossing it back and forth. Yeah, she's our science editor. She's like, there's a whole science of how to change behavior. I'm going to get into it with this Apple Watch. It's 5,000 words on the science of behavior in the Apple Watch. It's called End of Watch. Go read that on the site. It's real good. There's a house that cannot be described. <laughs> <laughs> they, didn't, they didn't. They didn't like that. <laughs> I'm just going to tell you that right now. Uh, I, we we got that note back. <laughs> uh, anyhow, that's our show for the week. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, we're back next week. You can talk to us on Twitter. Paul is future Paul. Dieter is back one. I am reckless. There are other things to listen to. The full season of Why'd You Push That Button uh, is up with Ashley and Caitlin. Listen to all ten episodes. They're working hard on season two. So if you have ideas of Buttons that they should investigate. Mm-hmm. Let them know. Uh, our producer, Andrew Marino, also produces that show. I'm excited for that to come back. Casey Newton's show, Converge, also in development. That's going to come soon. So those are just promises I'm making. Yeah. <laughs> Think about those fondly. In the meantime, listen to the first season of Watch for Set Button. You can also listen to Lauren Good, our terrific senior uh, editor, she's got a show called Too Embarrassed to Ask with Kara Swisher. Kara Swisher has a show called Recode Decode. And Peter Kafka has a show called Recode Media. All of that's available on the iTunes. You can listen to our rivals from across the Vox Media Podcast Network. Let them know. Just let them know. Mm-hmm. I sent you. <laughs> that's it. We'll be back <laughs> next week. Rock and roll.
Paul. Promo code. <laughs>